Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. We're continuing our exciting study in the Old Testament book of Sirach. And even though it's an Old Testament book, it had the nickname given by the early church of the church book because it was so widely used in the early centuries of the church because there's a very special need. How do you make faithful Christian disciples out of pagan converts? You use the church book. And I hope you see the relevance immediately for the situation we find ourselves in today. I'd like to start with a just a little story real quick by way of an illustration I'm gonna make about the value of the fear of the Lord, which is the major theme in the book of Sirach. But first, I'd like to take you back to my childhood. My parents had a farm, and I had to work a lot more than other kids, mostly my age, because of the farm. But there was one huge, wonderful, exciting benefit in that my dad, for our farm, had an old World War II Jeep. This was the same kind of Jeep you'd see John Wayne hopping in and out of on the World War II movies, and I got to drive this. I was pretty young when I was driving this Jeep, and I have to admit, if my parents ever went out of town, I would take the Jeep joyriding, and I really wasn't old enough to do that, but I, I would do it, and one of the reasons I could get away with it, it was there's no keys in World War II Jeeps. Uh, soldiers were losing keys. You needed your Jeep to get around, so they just put a start button in the Jeep. So my father knew I had a propensity to go joyriding when he was out of town. So what he did is took a little piece of very necessary equipment out of the engine. He opened the distributor cap, and there's a little rotor inside, just popped that off, and he kind of left, left the cap on clipped so I could see that something was wrong after I go trying to start the Jeep. Well, all that to say is what we're going to be talking about today, namely the fear of the Lord, is like that missing piece in my dad's Jeep, that if that piece is missing, you're stalled. You're not going to get anywhere. And even though you could take a headlight off the Jeep, it would run fine. You could take another seat out of the Jeep, it would run fine. In fact, you could take the whole windshield off the Jeep and run fine. But there was a critical piece. My dad knew motors and engines. He knew which one to take out, so it would never get anywhere. Well, the fear of the Lord is like that critical missing piece in Catholic education, in Catholic spiritual formation. If we leave out this single missing piece, the fear of the Lord, which is almost a synonym for the word wisdom in the Old Testament. And remember, Sirach, Proverbs, and the Book of Wisdom, all three are wisdom books. And these were seen as absolutely necessary for youth. It was a job of parents to convey them to their children. And the early Catholic Church saw that you would have to transform pagans into faithful disciples as a prerequisite for transforming the empire. This is how you switch an empire from being pagan to Christian. And 
we have a missing piece in Catholic formation. Not everywhere, but I would say the vast, vast majority of places that are educating young people from the earliest grades and CCD classes and confirmation classes right up through high school and college and university, it's kind of missing. And that's why we're trying to bring back the teachings of Sirach because it's that missing piece without which everything just stalls. And the very beginning of Sirach says, to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, without the fear of the Lord, a person is void of wisdom. So it's like the first thing in the process of growing in wisdom. And usually to get to where you want to go, you have to start at the beginning. And the beginning of growth in wisdom, and this is wisdom especially living under the umbrella of the lordship of God Almighty in everyday life and practical things. Now, it's not only the beginning of wisdom, because if you drop down a few verses in the first chapter of Sirach to uh, verse 20, it says the fear of the Lord is the root of wisdom. Or we might say, using a building analogy, it's the foundation of wisdom. So if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you don't have the beginning and you don't have the foundation and you don't have it and you're stalled in the spiritual life, even though you have a lot of other things, you're stalled. You're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to really get started uh, in the faithful life of a Christian disciple. Now, the close cousin, very good friends of the book of Sirach, of course, is the book of Proverbs. But in Proverbs, there's that repeated emphasis that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But Sirach takes it even a step further. It's not only the beginning of wisdom, it's the summit. In other words, this is to pervade the whole process of growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Listen to Sirach chapter 1, and there's a few verses starting in verse 16. The fear of the Lord is wisdom's full measure. She fills their whole house with desirable goods. The fear of the Lord is the crown of wisdom. In other words, not just the beginning, not just the foundation, but the summit, the crown, the full measure. To fear the Lord is the root of wisdom, and her branches are long life. So we better ask the question if this is so important, and as I believe, and I, I'm, I think I'm pretty solid ground here, that this is a missing piece. This is keeping us from accomplishing our destination in forming solid Christian disciples in the 21st century. So what does the fear of the Lord mean? Well, what makes this a little difficult is that there's no single English word that conveys the precise meaning of the fear of God. And we know it, it doesn't mean just simply to be terrified of God, but what does it mean positively? And here's, here's a, a pretty good stab at it from the Dictionary of the Old Testament. Respect may not do justice to the gravity of the word, though 
fear may connote an unhealthy dread. Still, the object of fear is the creator of all, the one who is sovereign over his creation. Those who experience fear in his presence know their rightful place in the universe. This is why we had two sessions already on God is creator, and and that as being part of the foundation for wisdom and fear of the Lord. And we talked about resources for intelligent design because you know your rightful place in the universe. Uh, People look around, and everybody's dog is very, very, very smart. But you generally recognize you're smarter than your dog, at least most sane people do, okay? And if you don't have a creator, mankind then elevates itself in an actually an act of idolatry, because idolatry is putting anything in the place of God. But the person who fears God realizes that God is the center of the universe, whereas today we hear the endless marketing mantra, it's all about you. No, it's all about him, our creator, and we know our place. We have a significant place in that whole plan, but at the center of it, is the creator. There's a book that actually I treasure. It's written by an evangelical theologian, very highly recognized. In fact, I visited my seminary and there's a whole exhibit to to him, and yet he wasn't a scholar. He had no what we would call scholarly theological education, but he was the type of man who you would say, that guy really knows God. And he wrote a very simple little book that's very economical and it's better than a whole lot of other books that cost tons more, entitled The Knowledge of the Holy. And in it, he says this, we must practice the art of long and loving meditation on the majesty of God. This will take some effort for the concept of majesty has all but disappeared. The focal point of man's interest is now himself. Humanism in all its forms has displaced theology as the key to the understanding of life. And the theology proper is knowledge of God, of who he is. And remember, faith in a creator is a beginning point and that point is often conceded. Like, you know, if you tell people, well, God is a creator, but really everything God here by random chance mutations, and God kind of gave it a kick down the road on occasion, he's not going to be feared as this awesome, majestic God. He's going to be, okay, uh, he's kind of been a, a remote place of my mind, my life, my priorities, uh, yeah, I might give them one hour a week, but that might be the, the extent of it. And Sirach talks about, there is one who is wise, greatly to be feared, greatly to be feared, sitting on his throne, the Lord himself created wisdom. He saw her and apportioned her, and he poured her out upon all his works. And if we're to really learn how to fear God from the beginning, we go to the beginning of the Bible, the first sentence of the Bible is about God as creator. And when we dilute 
that faith, we dilute the fear of the Lord and wisdom, and thus we lose that missing piece that makes everything run in the Christian life. Listen to Psalm 33 and verse 8, right along the same lines as Sirach. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood forth. If someone can speak a few sentences and bring a universe into being, he is to be feared and honored and acknowledged as the one deserving our attention and dwelling and revolving our thoughts around his great majesty. So God's wisdom, or his intelligence, if we like it that way, pervades all creation. So it's it's got to be, you know, we have a double whammy in our culture because, you know, theistic evolution, or sometimes even worse, Mother Earth environmentalism is is taught to young people instead of God the creator. And then we kind of downplay or even ignore the whole idea of fear of the Lord. And what happens? We have that missing piece removed from our Christian life and it's stalled. It's not going anywhere despite a lot of other efforts to repair that damage. Now, I'm gonna suggest uh, three English words, not one of them by itself can convey what it means, the fear of the Lord, but here's three, and you can get kind of a picture in your mind when I mention them. Awe, veneration, reverence. And it's, again, it's not being terrified by God, but utterly profound respect. Uh, I tried when I was raising my younger children is to save the word awesome for describing God or something he has done. I mean, I remember I lived in Southern California and there's a great surfing wave and everybody go, awesome, you know? And to me, we need to save some words to describe someone who's different from everything else, including the wonderful waves he has made. Uh, You see the wave and you say awesome, it's not referring or shouldn't be referring to the wave, but the one who made those waves. So, all right, we have the idea of awe, veneration, reverence, respect as the fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom, utterly essential for youth to grow in the knowledge of God. So, what do we do for youth? Well, we have worship light, or worship fun, or worship immature, or worship relevant, everything but worship with reverence. Being relevant is not a substitute for reverence. And if you are going to have, in the course of your week, one awe-inspiring mass that mass should be the youth mass. That's what they need. Reverence is taught. It's even caught in a way we worship. 
how a mass is conducted. Now, just to make some people mad at me, I'm not at all opposed to some wild and crazy youth rallies, but that's not the mass. See, we can be leaders of teenagers and have a great wild and crazy time, and that's that has its place. But what they need more than anything is the reverence in worship to teach them about God. And I'm afraid that we are doing just the opposite. And parents, if you want to teach wisdom and the fear of the Lord to your children, it, it's really important where you take them to mass. It makes a huge difference. Even before your children can comprehend many of the words and prayers used in mass, by their sight, they can pick up what awe-inspiring worship is all about. And it's caught by the eye and then later learned through the year. And then it's reinforced. And the last time in a person's life it should be abandoned, I'm talking about very reverent worship, is during the teen years. And I'm talking about the mass. If you want to have a wild and crazy youth rally, okay, get mad at me, but I'm all for that. I think it's wonderful skits and everything, but it's not fun in game times when it comes to worshiping the living God, okay? I think I got the point across, at least I hope to. All right, now the question somebody is going to say, well, isn't this fearing God just Old Testament stuff? And begin with, it's it's a actually a heresy uh, a man named Marcion came up with to think that the Old Testament is some kind of this inferior revelation of God or there's a different God in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament isn't stuff. It's divine revelation. But nonetheless, let's go to the New Testament and let's talk or not talk, but let's listen to Jesus himself, uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in, I can't say that four-letter word anymore because there's a lot of theologians and even church leaders who are denying the eternal existence of that four-letter word, or, or, or at least we don't know if anybody will actually end up there. And so here again, we're taking away an attribute of God, which Mr. Tozer that I referenced earlier said will lead one into a dismal swamp of theology. You see, Jesus said, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in that four-letter word. And what's the big problem? And if you have young children, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the answer. The big problem of raising children when they hit the teen years, and it's probably gotten a lot younger with social media now, is peer pressure. Um, And what is the antidote to peer pressure because you fear what other people think. That's peer pressure. Well, you fear God more than what you fear others. And by fearing God, I don't mean that you're terrified of God, but there is a very healthy, sober respect for God who is both justice and mercy. And if you take away his attributes and the knowledge of God, the fear of God, you're left with, you know, a 
pardon me, but a celestial Santa Claus. Uh, you know, you tell him what you want in prayer and go about your life the way you want. That's not the way it works. How about the early Catholic Church? Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. To walk in the fear of the Lord means that this is your manner of life. This is who you are. This is what you're accustomed to doing. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we find out in Isaiah 11 that the fear of the Lord is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that was given in full measure to the Messiah and from the Messiah to his church, walking in the fear of the Lord. Our first pope in his first epistle, 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 15, he says, but he who calls you is holy. So be holy yourselves in all your conduct. And if you invoke as father him who judges, ooh, that's a word we don't want to talk about anymore, one who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile. And again, this isn't being terrified that, you know, you make a mistake and God's just going to send you to hell for all eternity. But no, it is talking about that thing which is very common today, which is called presumption, that you can blow off one of God's commandments. You can blow off faithfulness to what the church teaches is essential for Christian living and think, oh, it's okay. God is just a nice guy up there. No, he's a father who judges as well as loves you, and it's your choice, his relation to you. But somebody might say, well, Steve, haven't you heard? Times have changed. Uh, You can't go and talk about this fear of God stuff in the 21st century. Well, you can disagree with me, but to begin with, I just see such a parallel between the early church who so valued this teaching of Sirach, the fear of the Lord and wisdom. And again, This is essential for Christian discipleship, and I see the parallel to today is so necessary, and somebody else did too, that we should listen to. His name, St. John Paul II. Concluding pages in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. This is how we get into the new millennium, according to St. John Paul II. And he said this. Listen to this carefully. Quote, The Holy Scriptures contain an insistent exhortation to cultivate the fear of God. We are speaking here of that fear, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is precisely fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. Among the gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom holds first place. Therefore, we need to pray that people everywhere and especially especially people in our own time, will receive the fear of God. This fear of God is the saving power of the gospel. It is a constructive, never destructive fear. It creates holy men and women, true Christians to whom the future of the world ultimately belongs.
Did you hear that? This fear is the saving power of the gospel. And really, if we're going to withstand and stand up and thrive and get anywhere in our spiritual life in the 21st century, it begins with wisdom, which has at its core the fear of God. Uh, I personally consider these words from St. John Paul II ones that, um, in fact, uh, I had a priest and another friend visit me this week. I pulled this book off the shelf and read it to them. I've gone back to this book multiple times. I've quoted this passage in newsletters. I've quoted this passage in conferences. Why? Well, here's a pope in my estimation, really had his fingers on the pulse of the modern world, and he knew what was needed in order that we have what, a, a complete spirituality to thrive in the world in which we live. So to summarize what St. John Paul II said is that like the future of the world and the church may depend whether or not we cultivate or maybe ignore the fear of the Lord. Let's bring it home. Mom and dad, the eternal destinies of your children may depend on prayerfully cultivating the fear of the Lord. That's why I've urged in the past, we've done a whole series in the past here on Faith and Family on the book of Proverbs. Now we're also doing it in Sirach. So these are a couple of books that really need to be in your home and you need to expose both yourselves and your children to. Now, I just want to close with this because this is kind of important. If we have this fear of the Lord, and this is kind of a big overriding impact in our daily life so that we call it walking in the fear of the Lord. This is our manner of life. Does this lead to a joyless Christian existence? Well, we're living in a time where the fear of the Lord is absent. We have youth depression, self-harm, self-loathing, suicide rates sky high. Sirach says this, the fear of the Lord delights the heart and gives gladness and joy and long life. Remember I started this talking about my joy rides in that Jeep and there was a missing component that just eliminated it all? Well, that missing component to the 21st century spiritual life is the fear of the Lord. And you put it in there, you'll have delight of heart, gladness and joy and long life. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 340 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.